How will the Clippers look after the trade deadline passes? Can Kawhi be seen as a bad guy? And how can anyone beat the Warriors? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live show slash uh, insanity with Worldwide Wob. Rob Perez is joining the, the crew. He's back on, the friend of the breakdown, back on the show again. Rob, <laughs> thank you so much it's, for being here. It's been a while. It's been, it's been a couple years since we took a stab at this. No. We're remote now, but forever you will be my first, my <laughs> first video cast ever. Wait, was it, was it really two years ago or was it, like a, was it a year ago? It was two years. I think it was two years ago. Oh, it wow. was a legit two years. What That's was the amazing. name of our show, by the way? Do you, I was trying to think of it. Um, I it, was that mem- it was that. Mem- <laughs> we can't even remember the name of it. I mean, listen, if only we had you know, a computer where I could kind of look up some stuff, I can maybe while we're talking, I'll look it up and tell you what we call that one. But either way, uh, it was a load, load of laughs. I think we had, uh, there was tinfoil involved and couches. There, yes, there was. Yes, so, <laughs> there's khakis and tinfoil. And look yeah. how far we've come. Right now, you are sitting in a nice leather chair, and you're hosting a show uh, with Cassidy Hubbard. Uh, you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, so we're, we have a show called Buckets. Uh, what we like to say on the show is getting buckets is not just a basketball culture. It's a lifestyle. So we like to highlight the uh, not just the basketball things that revolve around the world of getting buckets, but also off the court as well. So it's... Um, it's a basketball culture show, and we have a variety of topics from the perfect bench mob, right? You're the X's and O's guy to go to in terms of uh, ask of, I Like, we could talk about horns plays and elevator screens all damn day and flex oh. cuts for an hour, <laughs> like I can't, but I can't match your knowledge when it comes to that. So I have to find my own little spot in basketball Twitter, and I think we found it. Absolutely. You have found it. And, you know, we can have a friendly competition over who's going to get those highlights out first. Uh, and you come with the <laughs> I guess you come with the snark and I come with the I'm trying my snark. I just don't you know, I don't you, I guess it's built in or something. How, how are you so good at at getting those uh, those the, the commentary with the tweet along with the video? Yeah, honestly, like we're, we're different generations and I'm a different generation than a majority of the Twitter and Snapchat users. <laughs> it's just I talk about a lot of the things I grew up with. It's a lot of 90s references about Mario Kart and Super Nintendo, Mortal Kombat, you name it. That's just the stuff is just like on the top of my head. And the stuff that you talk about as well, you know, it's it's different avenues, which is why I think we are able to. Uh, have this commensalism. How's that for a scientific term? Right. Commensalism type of relationship between the two of us. Love it, love it. Well, listen, let's get into some NBA talk while we're at it because uh, I think there are a lot of people here in this uh, chat want to hear about it. So let's talk about the Blake Griffin trade and what's going on. I think the first question I have is, uh, is are the Clippers done? Is that their last trade for this uh, season? No, I, they're, they're going to move DeAndre and Lou, uh, in my opinion. And the, the Blake trade... Before you even get to DeAndre and Lou, I, are you with me that the, the Clippers fleeced the Pistons? Because oh, Blake yeah. Griffin is not, he is not the Blake Griffin of old. This is a Blake Griffin who's put together with string and band-aids at this point. He's still a very good player. But you sold off every asset that you have in exchange for this man. It's all gone. They can't make any other moves. What's the goal here if you're the Pistons? To like be the seventh seed for the next three years? Well, Andre Drummond is the same player as DeAndre Jordan. 
Right. Oh, actually, Drummond might be better offensively a little bit than 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 Jordan is. Yeah. But they're missing the CP3 third part of that, and they have Reggie Jackson, who is a nice player, but he's not CP3. So I agree that this is a big fleece job, and certainly the uh, the Clippers should be really excited about getting that first round pick. Even though it's protected, they're going to get it this year, I'm sure, uh, the way the Pistons are going. So uh, I think, yeah, un- unequivocally, it is a win for the Clippers. I think also it will depend on what the next move is because it sounds like they might get a few more really good young assets and maybe another pick or two. Then they're sitting really pretty. Yeah, so they are building – if they get another pick, let's say they get – the Nets pick for DeAndre from the Cavs, if the Cavs are really going all in, they get that Nets pick. They have the Detroit first round pick. They got their own first round pick. This draft is going to be stacked. So if they can get that contract off the books, all of a sudden they've got the cap room this summer to compete with someone like the Lakers in terms of number of guys that they can go out and get. And there's a certain you know individual slash banana boat that's available this summer that maybe the Clippers are trying to position themselves with. They got Avery Bradley in-house. They've got Tobias Harris in-house. They've got Patrick Beverly. Can we talk about that backcourt for a second? Yeah, wait. Patrick Beverly comes back, it's Pat Beverly and Avery Bradley. Keep talking while I'm going to turn my air conditioning off so no one else hears it in the background. So you keep talking, and I'm going to disappear for a second. But, uh, yes, and I I won't rub it in that I have air conditioning on today. (laughs) Okay, well, that's Los Angeles. I'm just going to talk to nobody like I do most of the time anyway. So I'm going to sit here and tell everyone in the podcast that we are blessed. Yeah, we're blessed to have Avery Bradley and Patrick Beverly play defense together. I don't think we've seen a defensive backcourt that good since the mid-90s. Like, I will not want to play the Clippers once, regardless if we beat them. I don't want to be guarded by those guys. They are, they are set for the long term, not only asset-wise, but Tobias Harris was a borderline all-star this year. Maybe should have even gotten in, like, arguably. He's potentially better than Blake Griffin's been this year if you're factoring in injuries as well. You get Boban, who per 48 minutes is the most efficient player in the league, and I will take that to my <laughs> grave. Like, this, this is an all-time fleecing. I'm sorry, Blake Griffin is a nice player. He will probably get the Pistons to the playoffs. This is an all-time fleecing up there with Boston and the Brooklyn Nets trade. Ooh, wow, you're throwing some serious fire out there then. Um, interesting. It's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can see that. I, I just don't, yeah, I don't see the direction that the Pistons are going in, especially because of those contracts. It's going to be really hard for them to do anything. But then again, think about it this way. When's the last time Detroit has had a superstar or like a, a legitimate star on their team? Allen Iverson way past his prime? Like, yeah, yeah, is that the yeah, answer? You're, you're going Grant Hill and what, what are those things you mentioned in the 90s? Uh, all those things that I was in the middle of college for. Uh, right, the, the bad boys. I mean, that was probably their, their most global superstar was 20 years ago. And if you're Stan Van Gundy, you're under the same pressure, in my opinion, as someone like Dell Demps. You've been provided an ultimatum by upper management that says, if you don't make the playoffs this year with this team, you are toast. So if I'm Stan Van Gundy or Dell Demps, I don't care about the person that has to clean up my mess after I get fired. I'm doing everything within my power to keep my job, which means if I need to bring in Blake Griffin to get the seven seed, I'm going to do that. I totally get why it was done, but from a from like a just a neutral fan standpoint and seeing the return that the Clippers got on this and in the position it puts them in, man, they, they really caught a W in this. Congratulations, Detroit, on your seven seed, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, well, okay. 
hey, who knows? Maybe they'll shock us all. Remember when uh, Sam Van Gundy cut Josh Smith and they all thought it was crazy? And it kind of helped their season along. And, and it certainly wasn't as crazy uh, later on as we thought it was at the time. So who knows? Maybe he's got some, maybe he's got some tinfoil on his head in his office right now. Yeah. You know, uh, I, there's agendas everywhere in the NBA. And this is just another, like, every, uh, GMs have agendas. Own, ownership wants to sell tickets. They just opened a new arena in downtown Detroit that has been empty for the majority of the year. We need to fill this thing. Like, yep. we, this is taxpayer money, whatever. Uh, yeah, we need to put butts in the seats. And if Blake Griffin does that, then you know what? So be it. Absolutely. And just a reminder, if you're watching this, uh, Rob might freeze a little bit, but his mind is still going and, is, and we can still hear him. So that's always more important than anything else. Uh, we got to talk about Boogie for a second. Uh, heartbreaking. Are you sad about that? Are you looking forward to get more uh, outrageous AD output? What's happening? Yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, that was a tough moment for a variety of reasons. The first of which is DeMarcus Cousins finally was first, uh, I think he was selected to be a starter. He's going to make his first playoff appearance. And most importantly, it's a contract year. And he was going to get the max max. And oh, yeah. if he ended up being first team all NBA, if I'm not mistaken, he ends up getting like a super Anthony Davis type max. That's all gone. And, and that's unfortunate to say because look at the history of Achilles injuries who has come back from a blown Achilles Kobe Rudy Gay Wes Matthews Achilles end basketball players careers and I'm rooting for Boogie as much as I've ever rooted for anyone to come back from an injury I just don't understand how a man of that size and power is going to be the same individual from what I've seen from previous stars granted those players were maybe a little bit further in their careers and you know what they just couldn't come back um that's the worst part to me is that boogie got the raw end of the deal in terms why couldn't this have happened at like the beginning of his contract right and maybe it's a little insensitive of me but the first thing i thought of when he went down was that expiring contract and what do the pelicans do with it because he's technically still a very valuable trade piece now in terms of any team that wants to dump a contract. If you have a Miritich, like we saw go down today, the, the whole trade fiasco, if you have someone like that that you want to get rid of, we're willing to take on your big expiring contract. DeMarcus Cousins is the perfect piece. He could be moved depending on like when they schedule surgeries and stuff. So maybe they send DeMarcus to like the Clippers and we take, we'll take your DeAndre and you can wipe this off your books. Remember how valuable expiring contracts are in the NBA. They're gold. Do you, you know how bad Knicks fans would want Joe Kim Noah right now to be an expiring contract? I'd do anything for it. And just <laughs> if, you, if you're able to hoard those like Gollum in Lord of the Rings, give me my precious expiring contracts, you can start over. That's what the Clippers are doing, and that's what the Lakers are doing, and it's going to pay dividends this summer. You know, it is. It's really sad. Now, here, the, one, the, the best comparison, I think, for Boogie would be Elton Brand who uh, oh, yeah. in terms of size is pretty similar. And he did come back, and he, but he was not the 2010 machine he was when he came back. Nope. And it's very similar in the careers. Um, and Boogie does so Good much example. more on the floor. The only question I have for him is, here's an interesting uh, proposition, is perhaps he has to work harder than he ever has on his body to rehab to come back. And when he, if he does come back, maybe he'll even be like sort of better or a better athlete out of all that. Although I do hear that he does work pretty hard in his body anyway during the off-seasons as it was. So... Uh, it is a real uh, tr problem, and especially for a guy that size. Uh, I, I just don't see him coming back the way he was. But even if it's, what, 75% of him, it's still pretty damn good. Uh, right. You really think that's a trade piece? Are you talking about, like, right now, someone, like, they might be able to trade him? It's just my 
it's just the first thing I thought of. I, I wouldn't trade for him because you have to remember <laughs> like who's performing the surgery. Is it our liability? Is it their liability? I just want the damn contract. I'm thinking not in human terms here. I'm right. just thinking of uh, what could I do with that? Because the Pelicans, again, are all in. They have Anthony Davis. They have all of these overpaid contracts to guys like Solomon Hill. They brought in the Ian Clarks and the e they paid the Etwan Moores for the sole reason of getting into the playoffs. Your chips are already in the middle. Someone just re-raised you. You got to go to the ATM and get more money. It's not going to feel good, but you have to do it. And that's where we're at with the Pelicans. They've mortgaged their future. Granted, they haven't like traded away all their picks and everything, but they have sacrificed a lot of their flexibility just to get that seven seed. It's clear that that is their prerogative. That's all. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to another uh, possibility here. Uh, any other trades that are on your mind I think might actually come down? I thought maybe it'd be quiet uh, up until the trade deadline, but it turns out I think this might just be the beginning. Yeah, I... What have we learned from the NBA, Nick, is that one, where there's smoke, there's fire. Two, when it's quiet, it's too quiet. And I feel like right now we're in the middle, which is probably the safest point to be. So we're getting rumors of these random Miritich trades. And the one way Kawhi Leonard could become a villain isn't like through an emotional outburst. It's having a falling out with Pop. It's the only way Kawhi will ever be seen as a potential villain. It's something we talked about here on Buckets. What will it take for us to not like Kawhi? Because he's just too damn likable. And we potentially are headed for that situation that he has a falling out with Pop. He asks to be traded. He pisses off the fan base. And then everyone's like, maybe he's not this like quiet little, you know, just does his business guy. Maybe he's different behind the scenes. I don't think that is, I'm, if, like, let me restart here. I'm going to say Kawhi Leonard will not be traded. He's simply too good. He's a part of the system. They're going to figure it out. Popovich always does. Yeah. Um, tr the trades that are going to happen, DeAndre and Lou are the most obvious. Um, you've got guys out there like a Greg Monroe. That could be, like, what is Phoenix doing with Greg Monroe right now? He's not going to, like, he's not part of your future plans. Trade him to someone that's got some some cap space, take a pick from them. We'll take one of your Albatross contracts that expires at the end of the year, gives us the ability to start over. You have this like middle of the road power forward that can come off your bench and be the third guy scoring option in the end of a second quarter on a playoff team. Like, I think that's a pretty fair swap. Send Greg Monroe to like Miami is like a, a place, a completely random place that he would fit in at just like as a supplementary scorer. That's, that's probably my guy at this point. Interesting. Well, we got the Cavs to talk about then, too, because obviously they're probably the biggest players on the market, yet have the fewest assets of anybody to give up. So what the heck are they going to do? Well, the Clippers said yesterday, we're looking for picks in young players. But thankfully, the Cavs have won. They did get they did get the, the Nets. Nets pick in, in that trade. And unfortunately, Isaiah Thomas may look young because he's a little dude, but he's not young. That's the <laughs> oldest team in the league by far. Yeah, right. Just because he's a little munchkin doesn't mean he's actually going to be wanted by the Clippers. But um, I don't know. Like, what are you you want? The only asset they have is that Nets pick. And to bring someone back of value likely makes money. So that means you're going to have to convince someone to take Schumpert or JR at this point because they have those 10 to $12 million mid-range kind of contracts in the pick. So what are you getting back from that? You're getting back that Greg Monroe type of player. No one's going to trade you the far. The Nets are playing well right now. That's not a top three pick. That Nets pick, the value in it has gone down to like a top 10-ish pick. 
And that's mm -hmm. a big deal because if the Nets stunk like they always do, that pick would be with this draft, the potential of getting the Doncic or the Bagley or any of the Trey Young, any of these guys, that's not happening with how well the Nets are playing. So every day that the Cavs wait, that trade value of that asset is going to get worse and worse. And teams know as they get more and more desperate, granted they've won a couple games in a row now, they need to make a move. And all the teams know it. We're going to bankrupt you for that pick and every asset you got because you got no other choice. It's a matter if Dan Gilbert wants to do that. Does he want to prepare for the future? Does he want to go to battle with the current Cavs team that he has? Like, am I ready to go to war with the Celtics and the Warriors in the finals with Isaiah Thomas and Derrick Rose as my point guards? Now we're starting to get back, unfortunately, to the Darren Williams of last year. Like, what are you doing on the floor in the finals? I fear that we may get there unless Isaiah shows us that his legs in his injury and he can come back from it. I agree. I, I actually recommended that the uh, Tristan Thompson starting lineup thing was what they should do. And then lo and behold, they did it. And here they are. They're playing better already. Um, it seems to me that Love is the guy that they can move. And that may, might be the guy they can get the most value for. But then yeah. you, you, try to, you want to say, okay, in that position, you want to have someone who can shoot threes and who's a better defender. Well, that's what everybody wants in the league. So it's like, who would that be? Who can that possibly be? What are they going to get for him? I, I can't even see that happening. But that seems to me that would be the first place the Cavs should start. I wonder, honestly, if the Cavs can fix their issues with the squad they have. It's got to be internal amongst the players. It's clear at this point. I don't have any knowledge of any kind, but the players aren't getting along great. And we go through this every year with a LeBron James team in January. They go on a losing streak. The locker room becomes fractured. It is death taxes in this happening which is why I will never bet against LeBron because they always overcome it and he shows out in the playoffs and proves to us why he's the greatest athlete basketball player in the game today. Um, they need to fix. It's as bad as I've ever seen it. I will say that. doesn't mean they can't fix it, but they may not need to trade for anybody if they can find a way to like get Kevin Love back into the mix and like be a part of the guys. I don't know who's on one side of the fence and who's on the other, but all I know is watching them play basketball, there's a lot of like, in buddy, it feels like buddy balls going on. Like Wade's my guy, Derrick Rose ain't my guy, Love's my guy. They're kind of just, I'm not passing to him. That's, that's the vibe I get as just a casual fan. And if I'm c catching that as just a watcher, I imagine it's probably worse behind the scenes. Oh, I've been hearing the whispers. You can bet, like, when we hang up on this thing, I'm going to be like Nick Nolte and Blue Chips going through that footage to see who's not passing to who because you're right. When there's smoke, there's fire, and a lot of times that stuff happens and it is real, even when we think, oh, it can't be the reporting. It's got to be, be uh, bogus. We did see Kevin Love get a rebound and hand it to Isaiah so, uh, I, I guess, to use Dave DeForest from sarcastically, that, you know, there's got to be truth to what's going on there. And I find it's weird that, like, Isaiah, the newcomer, uh, you know, was so vociferous in his uh, displeasure with Kevin Love in a way that you thought he would want to blend in a little bit more before he starts to drop bombs in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's, it's only speculation, honestly, for me at this point. Like, we, we see it on social media. We see them, like, trolling each other. Jeff, when Kevin Love threw that jacket on Jeff Green's face... The first thing is like, oh, he's joking. And then you see Jeff Green, like, maybe it was legitimately mad in the comment section. Maybe he was joking. I don't know. And these are the issues that if they make it publicly, then they have no code. Because there is a very strong code amongst the players. Nothing leaves. Like, the media should never get the opportunity to make a story about, like, our brotherhood and fraternity of being players. 
that does not feel like it applies in the Cavs locker room. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. For what it's worth, there, there was some joking afterwards uh, between uh, Love and Green in a way that it, it definitely did still seem like they were joking. But again, why are they joking about it? Probably because it was, there was some serious words going on that maybe they, they made up right. from, but who knows how much that's healed. Uh, and if there's anybody that can, you know, that, it, it, the, the perfect person would probably be Kevin Love, a guy who's probably going to go bend over backwards to be as nice as he can and repair those things. So either way, should we turn to some questions in the uh, comments? Can you see the comments over there, uh, Rob? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I've been watching them. And first of all, you got the, the comment section in here. When I freeze, the reason why they are that my comment section is trained that when I freeze, this is not a new thing. I freeze a lot and they come <laughs> up with their own versions of the word lag and they put them into NBA players names. So when I start lagging comment section, if you're new and this, you, you watch Coach Nick a lot, Love it. Trajan Lagden, Lagging P <laughs> instead of Swaggy P. We want you to get creative. This is what we do here on Buckets, and this is what the comment section is, all right? Uh, they all, you also need to, like, feed them a little bit. So the question that, like, just came in is uh, who's leaking these stories with the Cavs was one of them. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm more than happy to speculate with you if you think like someone like Wade is leaking stuff to the press and, you know, I, I don't know anything, but it's a conversation. Well, I, oh, by the way, I'll say this. We do know that before uh, this year, Woj did not really have any connections to the Cavs and the inside information, and all of a sudden he does, and we know that he's got a connection to Isaiah. So you probably right. got to imagine that Isaiah is, you know, talking to somebody who's then talking to somebody or whatever, um, which would still be a, a problem. But either way, yeah, that, it's, uh, it's interesting stuff. Uh, let's see here. Anything else besides the lagging? Uh, I'm glad that I don't have the only problem, too. It's a, I thought it was a Skype thing. Who knows what it is? But thank you. No, uh, I did good. get a haircut recently, Ron. Thank you for, for noticing. <laughs> uh, someone was asking about, uh, oh, there's a good question. How much worse is IT on defense than Kyrie? Uh, I think it's significant. Maybe you can speak to this more in terms of, of what you've seen on tape in the analytics. But if you thought Kyrie Irving was bad at defense when the Thunder played that game against the Cavs when they embarrassed them on national TV. The Thunder were running plays, just finding a way to put Isaiah Thomas on the block. They were trying to hide him on Robertson in the corner, and they would just run off-ball screens. All right, he's guarding Isaiah, go post up. And they were just picking on him all day. And maybe I will say this about Isaiah is what made his season so great last year is that he was so good on offense that he still was able to make up for who is arguably the worst defensive player in the league. Like, just because of his, how, how tiny he is, his, he right. has no presence out there. I'm, that's end of story. But he was so good last year on offense that we didn't even care about it because he's dropping 25 points in the fourth quarter. That's why the season was so magical. Now that the magic has worn off and he's come back down to earth from a physical standpoint, he can't put up those 40-point games. He's a damn liability out there, and I'm watching him get bullied by other teams. I think it is a significant uh, decrease in defensive ability and not saying that Kyrie Irving's going to be making a first-team all-defense anytime soon. No, but I, I will say Kyrie is a lot better, I feel like. than And, and let's get this straight. I want to I wanna have a beef because if people remember when I did the Is Steph Curry an Elite Defender? Rob, do you want to come clean? And tell everybody whose idea it was for that title. Who? You. You don't remember that? <laughs> I texted you saying, I'm doing a video. I'm looking for a good title about this. And you responded, is Steph Curry an elite defender? Or why, why Steph Curry is an elite defender? I was like, all right, fine. I didn't even think about it. I have been suffering so much crap from that since that day. 
and I have you to thank. I, I'll show you the I text am, if you don't believe me. I'm I got a text. I'm sure I still have it. <laughs> no, that's the code. Don't be showing text messages. <laughs> we got our own code. Dude, uh, this is D'Angelo Russell style over here in LA, man. We're not we're not screwing around here, so. <laughs> Coach uh, Nick's about to wrap me out to the world about our text messages. Come on, man. Yeah, but the point still remains that Kyrie, I think, was always better of a defender than people gave him credit for. He also had a much better system in, in uh, Boston behind him. Um, I mean, sorry, Isaiah had a much better system behind him in, in, when he was in Boston. So now it's a mess on defense for the Cavs. And by the way, it was already bad when they put Kevin Love in the, in the dishwasher for, in the pick and roll every single time. And it was a, just a nightmare. Right. Now they're throwing Kevin Love and IT in the same pick and roll defense. And it's like there's just – I have to tell you right now that, you know, if Steve Kerr is out there watching this stuff, he is drooling over the prospects of lighting them up too. every possession down with those. I, I would too. And someone asked, is there an ability to save the Cavs' defense? You can't just put Shumpert out there and expect that he's going to, like, change this Cavs' defense overnight. It's a systematic failure to me. And if you have LeBron, who is – still one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. At this point, I think they should just try and outscore everybody. And that's why they can't beat the Warriors, because no one in this league can out-Warriors the Warriors. And also, the Warriors play defense. But you can't just try and outscore them, because they'll run you out the gym. Do you see a way that, is there any sort of like lineup that statistically works? Well, to me, it's like a lot more Corver, even though it's not really a defensive thing. But when I'm looking at the lineup uh, data, you know, I did a video on this the other day. Corver, we need more Corver. He's only playing like 21 minutes a game. He needs to go to 25, 26. Less IT, less love. Probably more Tristan Thompson. Uh, that seems to be a help. And then, and then, yeah, just a little prayer, I suppose. Are they religious over there? I don't know, but that might help. Uh, someone in the comments just said KD equals defensive player of the year. I, do you agree with that? Because I kind of do right now. It's low-key, but, yeah, the dude is really just making plays every time. And, listen, Draymond Green is a defensive player of the year, I think, hands down, every year. He really, he's going to be that yeah. guy who they're always tired of uh, voting MVP for him. I think it's the same right. way. But, I mean, KD is, 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 is really up there. I mean, who else would it be? Hey, Kawhi's gone. Like, Gobert's been hurt. Kawhi's got all of his competition. It's like Draymond Green versus yeah. Durant at this point. That right. Warriors defense is insane. We talk about how good they are on offense. When they actually turn up on defense – that's when, like, the, the snowball's going down the mountain. That's, That's when you know the thing. Warriors are going on one of those 20-0 runs. Because, but here's the thing. The Warriors aren't ranked that high. I, I just checked it the other day. I'm checking it right now as we speak. But, like, their defensive rating wasn't even that high, which is really shocking to me. They're uh, eighth. It's just weird. I, I, I thought it would be at least the top five. Because, and so I can't figure that one out. It's the reason why they have eight, ten, whatever losses they have. They just don't show up. They, all they need to do, they're so good, they don't even need to show up to games. They need to show up to a quarter, just one quarter, and the game is over. When they decide to turn it on in the third quarter, there's a reason why they've come back from five double-digit halftime deficits, because they decide, guess what? We feel like winning this game. Let's go win this game. That's all. That's um, all. People, people are bugging because we're not talking about the Lakers. Oh. Uh, do we have time? Lakers. Yeah, Lake, I think it's Lakers time. Um, what is the like we've been doing this whole we have an awesome young core for the past four or five years now with the lakers we started with d'angelo and randall and turned into ingram and now we're at ball and kuzma i think this is the best core of young players that they've had specifically because of kuzma but watching the development of julius randall actually like dribbles balls with his right hand now and he, that's that's a start because he was i thought it was prosthetic for, for a while there <laughs> yeah like it never touched his right hand 
but he's, he's developed into a serviceable starter at this point. Um, they ne- just need to score in free agency. You've got to get someone like Paul George to make the playoffs. Otherwise, you're going to be sitting there another four or five years as these guys continue to develop. And the NBA is just simply too good. Kuzma's great. Lonzo's going to be a good-ass player. They're just not good enough talent-wise to be a top eight seed in the West. End of story. Absolutely, that's true. And I don't know if that talent what they have right now is enough to lure anybody. Now, that said, Paul George, I think it's a done deal, wouldn't you say? He's already you know, on the record talking about how he loves L.A. He's from here. So I, I think that's probably a done deal. The only question there is, does that get LeBron over here? Yeah. Um, I do want to – this just – you reminded me of something that – what happened before Luke, Magic, the whole regime change happened up front? They had Kupchak there who was trying to save his job. Very similar situation to the Van Gundy and Del Dems thing that I keep talking about. Kupchak knew his, his, his job was on the line if he didn't make the playoffs. I think that was an ultimatum that was like public at some point. Regardless, there was an expectation to make the playoffs this year. What did he go out and do? He gave a fortune. He ate up 25% of the salary cap to Luol Deng and Mozgov right off the bat. Thankfully, they, will, they were able to spin Mozgov into like actual assets. But Luol Deng is winning businessman of the year <laughs> right now, making $20 million almost, sitting at home watching this team play basketball. Even cooler, he gets to come sit courtside and watch NBA games for free if he wants. He can sit on the bench. Luol Deng is still a serviceable player that can like work for another team. But the after effects of a GM with an agenda of shoving all in are still being felt to this day because they cannot go out and get LeBron and Paul George and create this new banana boat unless they get rid of Dang first. And that's what I fear with the Pistons is if Blake Griffin just goes down one more time, you are stuck with this galactic contract. And the Lakers are just getting out from underneath it. Oh, I agree. It's a real consideration there. And then the dang thing is a problem. But let's just give him props for getting out from under the Mozgov contract by getting Kuzma. That was what they got from that. So that's a, that was a great way. Because, listen, every GM across the board makes terrible decisions from time to time or more often than that. It's really about what you do after that to get out of it. How can you, can, how can you save the situation? And clearly they're, they're one for two so far. Uh, and I, I don't know what they're going to do about Dan because, yeah, he's simply immovable. And um, that will be a problem. Now, so I'm saying, remind me, so he's got one more year. Is that what you said? Oh, no, 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 my friend. Lou Dang is locked in for this season plus two more, oh, and there is no way out. There ain't no team option in there. It's Joe Kim Noah territory of maybe they should just swap the two of them. Maybe we'll trade you Joe Kim Noah for Lowell Deng. That's the only trade that can happen. That's the most fun trade you can put into the trade machine right now is complete unusable players. I would love to see some fake examples of that. Well, how about this? The one they, they, they put the franchise back in Seattle, give Seattle another team again, and then you, yeah, you throw Deng and Noah there as the, ground, as, a, as the foundation there, and let, let's see what happens. Right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm down to do anything. Seattle needs a team. End of story. I don't want to take a team from another city. If it requires us to do expansion, we can do it. All right. Well, listen, Rob, this is awesome. I mean, I, we had some great stuff in the comments and some great analysis here on the NBA. Uh, it's always great to talk to you, and uh, I'm really excited to see what you're up to in New York. It's too bad you're not at, back in L.A. In the, in the sunny climes, but I hope you're enjoying New York these days. I expect for everyone that's still in the chat right now, Nick and I used to do a show from that exact yeah, you can flex a little bit. That is a guest house, right? That's not even your real house. That's your right. guest house. 
my okay. studio. So Nick has a Nick has a guest house. He's kind of a big deal. Uh, <laughs> he has a couch set up there. He's got he's got his cameras, but he, he's a one man shop, which is why we connected in the first place. Because I feel like we've both been rogue NBA Twitter users that have built our channels. Because again, I'm on the the jokes kind of side and the making the the, the the vines and all that shit, you give us actual basketball analysis. So we've always been able to, opposites attract, if you will, and they come, when it comes to con- content in the NBA, I'm telling everyone that's still here in this podcast, and no one knows the X's, I'm letting him flex. This is the one time I'm going to give you a W, because I still owe you L's for your Westbrook stands. He does not <laughs> like Russell Westbrook. So if you, it's not that he doesn't like Russell Westbrook, we just disagree on how effective he is. I'm Team Brody. Nick, you're more than willing to, to come back and refute me, but um, no, I am team Coach frustrated Nick because he, <laughs> everything but his Westbrook takes are usually on point. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Rob. Uh, it's uh, it's been great to to see you how you're going out there, and uh, and we miss you. Uh, Eddie, you're not coming for the uh, All Star game, are you? Oh, you damn right! I'll be out there. I'm shooting my shot all weekend. I'm going to be in L.A. I'll be on the La Cienega circuit. I'll be going out three nights a week. Y'all come find me. I'll all be right. down well, at maybe Staples you, you can have, have pity on me. Invite me out to something while, while you're here. <laughs> You'd be my wingman. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here and everybody. A great show today. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Rob? I can be. <laughs>